Verse 8 really sets the tone because it, it shows the emphasis that the Lord gives to this fruit bearing. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. In other words, the only way to be my disciples is to have this burden to glorify our Heavenly Father by this right kind of gospel fruit. And this becomes a real test to our Christianity, to the genuineness of the profession we make of our Lord Jesus. And every Christian is called upon to use discernment to separate the false from the true. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. It is a great joy to join with you day by day to bring the message of the gospel. And today we'll be looking at the purpose of fruit bearing. That text in John chapter 15 and verse 16, which says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So the Lord has a purpose. It's a great thing to know that there is a, a, an amazing purpose in the uh, life of each and every Christian. God has a purpose for converting and using you in your daily walk with him in this world to be a light and to bring glory to his great name. Now that brings me to our question answer today, and I've had an email from a listener who requests uh, help concerning predestination. And she says that at times, verses like as many as were ordained to believe seem to conflict with whosoever will may come. It will be appreciated to have your help in this important matter of salvation. God has promised to not turn one away. Thanks so much. So there's the question. Well, that question has concerned Bible students for many generations. Here is the need to reconcile God's sovereignty, that is, he's in control of every detail, whether it's our bodies, our homes, our business, and also our eternal destiny, whether we will end up in heaven or hell, God is sovereignly controlling our destinies. That really is the meaning of predestination, to pre-program our destiny. But the question here is, how do we reconcile that with man's responsibility to seek for salvation? If it's totally in God's control, what can man do? Well, these are not enemies, but these two truths go together as railway tracks that go side by side, but they never cross over. And we find many passages in the Bible that declare that salvation is of the Lord, and man is incapable of seeing his own need, Man is incapable of recognizing his need apart from God's grace at work within his heart. And so from that perspective, it's all of God. It's all of God's grace. 
But we also find passages in the Bible that call men to exercise faith in the Lord and believe the gospel. All men are commanded to repent. A just and righteous God can do no other than give that command to sinful men to turn away from their sin and repent for their sins. Now, he will also remain true to his promise, that is, God, who is sovereign, will remain true to his promise that all who repent and believe shall be saved, while those who do not repent will be damned. And that sums up man's responsibility. Now, how can we explain this? When God created man, he made him a free moral agent to love and serve God. But he was free to turn away from God. There was the capability within man when he created him that he could turn away from God. And of course, we know that he did. When sin entered man's heart, he became a slave to sin. His very nature made him a slave to sin, so that all his choices are away from God. And that's what we call man's fallen nature, or a fallen will. All his choices from that point on will be choices of evil and choices that are against God. And therefore, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to renew the heart and produce a desire in man's heart to seek after God. When that work of regeneration is wrought in man, he can then turn to God and will be brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, I want to bring you back to the railway tracks. These things go side by side. And as God works sovereignly, man works to cooperate in receiving God's grace because the Holy Spirit enables him. And so it is proper for us to pray that the Lord will turn men's heart and convert them. It is also proper for preachers to call men to repent and believe the gospel. The preacher knows, of course, that his own powers of persuasion can save no one. The preacher knows that he must depend upon the Holy Spirit to do that work in hearts through the word. So again, Salvation is all of God, but we call men to take responsibility for their own deliverance from sin by fleeing to Christ. The preaching of the gospel, according to the Great Commission of Matthew 8, 28, 20, uh, 19, is God's will commanding to the church, to preachers, and to evangelists. The regenerating, drawing, and effectual calling of whosoever will come is God's will intending, that is, God's predestination. So, in the conclusion, the preacher gets on with his work. God commands us to preach the gospel to every creature, tell them their need of salvation, and we pray that God in his grace will effectually call men to eternal life, so that each one uh, whom God has ordained to eternal life will be gathered in, each one will be saved for whom Christ died, and we know that not one for whom redemption was paid will be missing on that day when we stand before God in glory. Let's 
Father, we thank Thee for the light of Your Word, and we know that You command all men everywhere to repent. We know that You do save all who come, and we thank Thee for the Holy Spirit's work to draw men to personal faith in the Lord Jesus. And how we, everyone who is born and born again and saved by grace, must thank God for the light and for that work of the Spirit in our hearts to lead us to personal faith in the Lord Jesus. We pray that you'll work today, that your own word will be used of God, and that our preaching will be made effectual by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Bless the hearing of thy word today, and may this program be a means under God to draw sinners to the cross. We pray this and plead in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today is verse 16, verse 16 of John chapter 15. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Now, let me remind you that this parable of the vine and the branches is spoken to the 11 disciples. These were men who were to become living witnesses for the Lord and turn the world upside down. 
literally in the power of nations, these few men would be instruments of God to become the very foundation of the New Testament church that in their lifetime would spread throughout much of the Roman world. Now, there are depths to this parable of the vine and branches which require much prayerful study. There are things that can only be learned on our knees. And that's why I highly recommend that we memorize these verses. Now, again, I remind you, uh, each one, that as our Lord was speaking to these 11 disciples, believers who would be uh, disciples of the Lord Jesus, the Lord speaks to everyone here today who would be a living witness and a disciple for the Lord Jesus. Discipleship is greatly lost in the modern gospel thrust. Many want to become Christians to escape holiness. They want to minimize the fruit-bearing, and they want to emphasize the enjoyment of convenience and easy things. And they want to think of that which will enhance their old life. Well, the Lord doesn't save us to be Christians to make us better at what we've always been doing. The Lord saves us to make us branches in the vine that His life and His fruit will be born in our own lives. Verse 8 really sets the tone because it, it shows the emphasis that the Lord gives to this fruit-bearing. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. In other words, the only way to be my disciples is to have this burden to glorify our Heavenly Father by this right kind of gospel fruit. And this becomes a real test to our Christianity, to the genuineness of the profession we make of our Lord Jesus. And every Christian is called upon to use discernment to separate the false from the true. No professing Christian can close his eyes and blindly accept everything that today is called Christian. Jeremiah said that if we separate the pure from the vile, we shall be as God's mouth. And so, woe betide the man that merely accepts everything on face value. The Lord is going to inspect our fruit, and we had better be doing so too, lest we be deceived. And of course, the Lord Jesus does not give fools a license for their gullibility. We are to be wise. We are to be careful. And this verse 8, the only thing that makes us real disciples is to be bearing fruit that brings glory to our Heavenly Father. Now, as I mentioned, verse 16 is going to be our text today, and I'm going to deal with this textually because in so many ways, it is a standalone text. It really is here in the midst of this as a word to these disciples after all he has talked about bearing fruit, being branches in the vine, 
and enjoying the life of Christ in their lives. And now he is he's speaking a word to them, these men that are to be the future apostles to build the church of the Lord Jesus. And this verse 16 is a, a bit like a manifesto. It is a declaration of what we are about as Christians. And it's good, of course, to let the Bible speak for itself. And here is a text that will guide us into those paths that are holy and happy service for the Lord. We may ask, as we look at this verse 16, what in the world is a Christian? And I think you'll definitely get a very clear answer as you look at this verse. After all, what are we doing? We are tagging on three little letters to the name of Christ and calling ourselves Christian, I-A-N, after the name Christ. Do you do that? Do you call yourself a Christian? Well, do we have the right to do so? And to be a Christ one calls for a powerful new life. That certainly is insisted here. Now, let's look at this verse 16. We're going to examine it in its various parts, and we're going to see what the Lord Jesus, how he challenged these uh, 11 disciples. And of course, he's speaking to you and me. If we would call ourselves Christ ones, or followers or disciples of the Lord Jesus, and especially if you're saying today, I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to glorify my heavenly Father, and I want to bear that fruit that will truly make me shine as a Christian, not just in the world, but be well-pleasing to my heavenly Father. Now, let's look at the verse 16. Firstly, you'll see here the eternal plan. There is in this verse the eternal plan. I have chosen you. Now, this can apply to two truths. He has chosen us as elect sinners, or he has chosen these 11 apostles to be the man who would go out and build the Lord's church. The thing to note is that the Lord is working according to a plan. This is not just willy-nilly. This is not just a mere flying by the seat of uh, your pants plan. This is a, an eternal plan that God has designed. And what an amazing and wonderful truth this is, that to be a Christian is a part of God's eternal plan. Paul said in Ephesians 4 that, that God hath chosen us from before the foundation of the world. Now, God's plan is to save a people out of the world. And when he sent the Lord Jesus into this world, he gave him the name Jesus, which means he shall save his people from their sins. And of course, that's exactly the plan that God is following. Now, you'll notice something. I want you to look at verse 16 again. You'll notice something, how the Lord puts this. Ye have not chosen me. He rules out any notion that it is men that choose the plan or form the plan or even want into the plan. Ye have not chosen me. This is very dogmatic. 
And for some reason, this keeps getting into man's head backward. Everybody seems to think that they did the choosing. They did the electing or the selecting. They came up with some kind of a plan from their own mind and their own desires. No, it's all turned around here. You will see, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And in light of these clear words of the Son of God, who speaks to these 11 disciples, dare any man say, Lord, but I chose you first. I don't think so. Not in light of these very, very clear words. But now you may be asking, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if the Lord chose me or if I chose him? Well, if I chose the Lord, and if I chose Christianity, then it would be a thing that would be optional. It's up to me. I could be in or out. And I could make some determination, uh, both now, tomorrow, next year, 50 years from now, or even prior to my death. It would be up to me. That's not what the Lord says. The other problem would be, what if I'm not worthy? What if, if I in my mind think that I want in, but God says, I don't want you? Oh, that would be absolute confusion. And then the other problem is, if I can opt in, I could also opt out. If I can get in today, I can get out tomorrow. Because it's me choosing. It's me making this decision to come up with a way to serve God. I could come to some sticky patch in my life and throw off the harness and say, I don't want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus anymore. I do point out that this may well be taken two ways. It's true of the Christian. You can't say, well, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And it's true for me as a preacher. It's true for everyone that serves God. I don't want to serve God anymore. No, it's not left up to us. The Lord has chosen, and the Lord has this eternal plan. And when God chooses me, he is committed to me, and he's committed to you. You see, many people talk about their commitment to the Lord. That's the popular, trendy way of telling people that, you know, they have some interest in Christianity, and they will say, well, I'm, I've committed well, my commitment doesn't count for much at times, but when God commits himself to choosing us to eternal life and choosing us to be his disciples, to follow him, then we know that we have what I'm going to emphasize here as eternal life. Absolutely eternal. There's no turning back. God is not going to change his mind. He will not repent of this decision to choose his people. He will not turn his back. He will not break his covenant. He will not fail. He is the one who did the choosing. He's the one who will one day present us unto the Father right into glory. He is able to keep us. And he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this God cannot change his mind, and he has sheep that he must bring. That's how the Lord speaks, you know. That's what the Bible tells us. 
He has sheep that he must bring. And this is the eternal plan that we see right here. What difference does it make? Well, God will not stop when he begins the good work of grace and salvation in your heart. Are you going to be in heaven? If you are saved today and you are bearing the marks of the new birth, that you've repented of your sins, you've believed in the Lord Jesus as your Redeemer, you are going to heaven. Because, not because of what you chose, but the Father chose, and he will bring you through. Now, in this also, there is the plan to build this church. And you can see that I am uh, dealing with this in a double-barreled fashion, two ways. The average Christian, every single Christian, this is true. It's also true of the Lord building his church. And uh, you'll see the word ordained in here. Uh, I take that to be the, the great commission to preach and become apostles and declare the gospel. These are the men on which the Lord would build his church. These are the men that the Lord would use to bring the gospel to the nations. And as they preached the Christ and preached the cross, preached the resurrection, God would use these men to be his servants. Now, you remember how the Lord called these men? You have James, Andrew, Peter and John, fishermen, and the Lord's walking along Galilee. You read this in Mark 1. And he says to the men, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, did these disciples, these fishermen, seek to be hired on? Not for a moment. Did uh, Zebedee uh, say to the Lord Jesus, I've got two boys here, the work's drying up a little bit, not much fishing going on, it'd be nice if you'd take them into the ministry. No, the Lord called them, and they immediately left their nets and boats and followed the Lord Jesus. It was the Lord's call to them. So it was really true, because each one of these disciples, the Lord called them. You've not chosen me, I've chosen you, that ye should go and bring forth much fruit. And this is a great encouragement to us. We are a part of God's eternal plan. And the Lord did take these 11 men, and he did thrust them out, and he did use them to build his church. And as the Lord speaks to us today, he has a plan. God's working to a plan. The future of Cloverdale Free Presbyterian Church is not the plan of our denomination. It's not the plan of, of the deacon board of this church. It is God's purpose to build his church. Now, we have to be careful we plug into that plan, that we get into sync and get into step with the plan of God for his church. We do things God's way. We do things biblically, that we worship and evangelize and reach the world the way that brings glory to God. And as a Christian, this is your testimony, that you are a part of God's plan. I have not, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen.
You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.